I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. And I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. Billy is crumbling the walls are caving in. I guess the good Lord sends a message. Take all those bad bills we try to pay and go home with them. Listen to those congressmen arguing. And he called me a son of Hey, where I grew up, that's somebody talking bad about your mother. And when he did, I responded with my right hand. Is all that discussion and debate about you? Yeah, I'm one of the lucky ones. Most bills never even get this far. I hope they decide to report on me favorably, otherwise I may die. Die? Yeah, die in committee. This is Podgressive South. I'm Will Lockamy. I'm Heather Milam. All right, Heather, there's so much news right now, uh, especially in this state, but really all over the country, because legislatures are in session and lots of crazy bills coming out, lots of good bills as well. So today, let's break down some of the big ones that we're dealing with in our state. We'll tell what they are and then quickly give our opinions on you know how we feel about it. Okay, but before we do that, Heather, we like to be factual, right? We don't want to be known as the liars on the podcast, right? You Just know, making the... stuff up as we go along. Yeah, no, no. We like, to, we like to kind of think we know what we're talking about. <laughs> so we need to make a few corrections, right? We record in real time. And so sometimes we realize after the fact that there might be something we said or misled our listeners with. So let's correct that. And if you hear us say something that we got wrong, please let us know. Uh, at Pod South on Facebook and Twitter, and at Heather Milam and at Will Lock Me on Twitter and Facebook as well. Okay, that's just if our crack staff of uh, fact checkers don't get it first. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this team of people sitting mm. in the, you know. Hey guys, I wave at them every now and then. Hey. All the- <laughs> hey all, you're you're literally waving. Yeah, right now. sure. <laughs> okay, look, we're going back two weeks to when we had uh, Kari Powell on as our guest, uh, helping us understand the importance of the Public Service Commission. She did correct something she said. Ooh, is she a liar? No, not a liar, because she told us the truth. She sent us a text uh, right after the podcast published and said, I stated something inaccurately. Quote, Drummond Cole, which we discussed on that episode, owns mines in Alabama and Columbia, but not Wyoming and Illinois, which she mentioned. So there you go. They do not own the mines in Wyoming and Illinois. Also, last week, I did something really silly. I got caught up in the moment talking about my top three choices for presidential candidates currently. And I said, let's go alphabetically. You know what I didn't do? Go alphabetically? Go alphabetically. So I I recognize that, people. I wonder if anybody picked up on it, though. I don't know. You did. (laughs) I sure did. G comes before H. I think I started with Harris and not Gillibrand. (laughs) So that's uh, less fact-checking and more just like, oh, I need to do it. Yeah. (laughs) I also wanted to clarify something. I spoke about Democratic parties in other states that are working effectively for their candidates. And I said Arizona. I misspoke. I meant Nevada. And then the final correction I would make of last week when we spoke about the Alabama Democratic Party, and we spoke about the influence of the vice chair of minority affairs. The vice chair of minority affairs is was established in the 70s via consent de- decree. The Alabama Democratic Conference was not. That was formed in the 60s. So there you go. I know. I have to. <laughs> it's important. It's important stuff. It is important. It's it's important to get it right. So absolutely, that's what we're here to do. One time, on oh brother, I was doing a commercial for Botanical Gardens. They paid us to do this thing, and I was like, "Man, Botanical Gardens is having this party." And like, I was ten seconds in, and Reed went, "Boring." <laughs> <laughs> you had no idea it was a commercial. 
I was like, dude, we're being paid. And the old lie on the air had to be like, we're being paid right now (laughs) to talk about (laughs) Yeah, and I can't remember exactly what episode it was on, Heather, but I think I said something nice about Mississippi. Maybe in the second episode, I'd like to take that back. Whatever whatever it was. Uh, Yeah. Inject that correction. Mm, You can take that back. I like to be factual. All right, let's start with the lottery, Heather. We already talked about it, but here's the deal. Now there are two different lottery bills, so let's explain what they do and what we think about them. All right, so the one we've already talked about is the McClendon bill, right? Um, It would legalize all normal lottery functions found in other states, including scratch-offs, electronic games, video lottery terminals, yada, yada, yada. The other one, though, that we have not talked about is the Albrighton, Albritton, I'm not sure how you say his name. Either way, it's the all that guy bill, and it would legalize only a paper lottery, eliminating all electronic games, and also would make illegal para-mutual wagering. That's like a dog and horse track stuff, right? It's where people bet on the top three winners, and they divide all the money from the losers, What, whatever. Yeah, it's P-A-R-I-M-U-T-U-E-L. Google, Google. That's the, that's the best way. Okay, here's the thing. We've already given our opinion on the McClendon bill. You can go back and listen to that episode if you'd like to, but you know, for many reasons, we think this should pass. This is hard for me on a personal level because I am not one, I am not pro-gambling. Oh, no, absolutely. S- sure. Uh, so I have to kind of remove my personal... You know, this is what we hope from public leaders there in Montgomery is that you sort of remove that kind of personal leaning and hear the facts. If I'm comparing the two bills, Senator McClendon's bill seems to provide far more jobs and far more revenue to the state of Alabama as a whole. And I think that Senator Albritton's bill seems to reward his constituents without taking into consideration the state as a whole. So those who oppose Senator Albritton's bill would say that he is under the heavy financial influence of the Porch Creek Indians, which do have gambling facilities in his district. I think having a lottery passed during this legislation is all but inevitable. One thing to consider is that if the legislature does approve a lottery bill, it will require uh, votes from Alabama and so because there are amendments to the Constitution. And that's the thing. If it's going to be passed, let's just do it and get on the same level playing field as the states around us. Let's not partially pass something that still would keep us behind everyone else. Alabama citizens will still go to Mississippi and still go to Tennessee and Georgia and Florida to have access to additional you know, opportunities to win whatever money. Again, this is hard for me because <laughs> I don't gamble. But I understand that if we're going to do this... We should maximize the opportunity for revenue in, in ways that make sense for the state. All right, let's talk about SB4. It's the concealed carry without permit. They're talking about getting rid of a concealed carry permit here in the state of Alabama, right? You have to have this permit to basically hide your gun in your car or on your person. Otherwise, if you, as long as you're not a felon, you can have a gun and put it like on your hip if everybody can see it. Yeah. It's, it's all kind of weird. So Republican State Senator Gerald Allen from Tuscaloosa uh, sponsoring Senate Bill 4, which would do away with the requirement for a concealed carry permit. His argument is that it infringes on a person's right, constitutional right via the Second Amendment, to carry a firearm. Yes, that you shouldn't have to pay for a constitutional right. That's the argument. Yeah. How much did you pay for your concealed carry permit? Let's see. Beep, beep, beep. Here it is. <laughs> um, I In Jefferson County, it's different in every county, by the way. So it's up to the sheriff in that county. But they range in Alabama between 5 and $20 
per year. In Jefferson County, you can now get a five-year license. You don't have to go back every year. Yeah. And it looks like it says I paid $37.50. $37.50. For five years. The NRA clearly supports this. There are some version of this type of law in a few other states. Obviously, NRA getting behind those. I do stand on, I take a very strong position about uh, sensible gun legislation. All right, here are the things about this. Uh, it funds the sheriff's department. That's why the sheriffs are all for it, because that's where they get their money, a lot of it. It comes from these pistol permits, and a lot of people in Alabama pay this every year. Two, there's a thing called reciprocity. So that means um, if you have a gun, you can go from state to state. Generally, there are only a couple of states that won't accept the Alabama permit, so you're legal when you travel. Three, I'm a proponent for stricter gun laws. We, we need to have more control over who has guns. And taking away current regulations, such as this concealed permit, is a step in the wrong direction. I think these concealed permits are useless. I think they do basically nothing except help fund the sheriff's departments. Um, it's not stopping anyone from carrying a gun. And by the way, it doesn't mean that you're legal or illegal to carry a gun. It's just can you conceal the gun or not? So someone just having a gun doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I do think that we have, as a society, we have an amount of firearms within our society that far surpasses the population count. And people especially within the Obama administration there were all of the, there were there was a lot of there were a lot of propaganda and lies around this administration is going to come take your guns they're going to make it illegal for you to have guns which was baloney um, but it did encourage people this idea this false narrative about uh, taking guns away taking your guns away encourage people to go buy guns i personally am not a fan of firearms i mean they these things are killing machines that's what they do um with the exception of maybe a bb gun <laughs> um well, you should try out what you can shoot your eye out can you i don't know can you oh, i have quite the story <laughs> about a bb gun yeah quickly i'll say this so brandon uh you know my friend brandon and i um we're very good with my red rider uh aiming wise and we can <laughs> uh shoot each other from across the room in the wallet and it's shocking to other people because they're like oh my gosh but really it doesn't hurt you'd shoot him in the wallet uh one time i missed and it went through my window <laughs> and uh the next day my children came to me like dad we need to tell you we, we broke the window they thought they just took the blame for it they just thought that they had broken the window you have the best kids yeah anyway i grounded them we are influenced by the money that comes into our campaigns and i'm wondering if he's answering to a real need here for the constituents of alabama or if he's responding to people who are funding his campaign and i think it's a healthy i think it's healthy for us to look at that yeah and i i just disagree with the the premise of this bill because i don't think it takes away your constitutional right at all you still have the right to carry guns it's just a seal permit. I encourage our listeners, if you can handle uh, four-letter words and it doesn't offend you, go watch Jim Jeffries, the Australian comedian, uh, 2014 Netflix special about gun control. He's got some really interesting comical approaches to, uh, you know, America's sort of radical approach to gun ownership and firearm ownership. And He's right on everything. And when you're watching it, you can't help but go, well, yeah, no, that's true, too. And so, you know, leave it to the Australians to tell us how to be, be sane, rational human beings. He curses on it, though. He does curse. Yeah, I'm not going to watch that. Oh, please. <laughs>
Sounds like we need to do a full episode on gun regulations and our thoughts on that. Um, also, in the meantime, before we do that, Radio Lab presents uh, More Perfect. They did one called The Gun Show, and it is fantastic. It kind of explains in a really great way how we got to where we are with the Second Amendment. It's a really good podcast. Not that we're encouraging other people to, or encouraging our listeners to go listen to other podcasts. Oh, sure we are. We, one, we should do an episode about our favorite podcasts. I would love that. Okay. All right, Heather, our very first episode, we talked about some marijuana legislation. What's the update on that? Yeah, we spoke with Carla Cratter, who is with Alabama Appleseed, and we spoke about uh, laws here in Alabama that are uh, in imprisonment with Alabama citizens is happening at a, at a rate that is much higher than most states in the country. So Senate Bill 98 uh, just moved out of the Judiciary Committee last week. This is the Marijuana Reclassification Bill. So I'm going to read from the ACLU website. It says, Under existing law, a person who is deemed to have marijuana possession for personal use only may be charged with a Class A misdemeanor for a first offense and a Class D felony for a second offense. A person who is deemed to have marijuana possession for more than personal use may be charged with a Class C felony. So currently what that means is if you are hit with a Class A misdemeanor, you get a maximum of one year jail time and fines. If you are hit with a Class D felony, that would stay on your permanent record. You could have up to five years of imprisonment. And then if you're one of those people who uh, is possessing marijuana for more than personal use, charged with a Class C felony, you could have up to 10 years imprisonment. But with this new bill, again, from the ACLU website, the new bill would change the penalty so that personal use is not arbitrarily defined, but determined by weight. And a person with one ounce or less weed on them would receive a violation to be punished by a fine of not more than $250 for the first two offenses and not more than $500 for any subsequent offense, which is a big change from facing a full year in jail to a $250 fee. So it looks like this thing is actually going to go through? It seems to have a lot of support. All right, here's another update, and this is huge. Jefferson County Bessemer Cutoff District Attorney, well, that's a big old title, (laughs) Lenise Washington, along with Jefferson County District Attorney Danny Carr and the Sheriff, Mark Petway, have all collaborated on what's called the Big Ticket. They're saying they're going to put an end to arrest for some nonviolent misdemeanors, including marijuana possession. I support that fully. Of course, we are recording in Jefferson County, uh, Birmingham being the biggest city here in Alabama, Jefferson County being where it resides. I am in full support of what they're doing. I actually campaigned quite a bit with Danny Carr and Mark Petway last year and got to know them fairly well on the political scene. And I think that this is moving in a direction that is is best for Jefferson County and, and certainly for the state as a whole, but they're making decisions for this county only. Yeah, it's a uniform non-traffic citation and complaint form. In practice, the procedure allows an individual to sign his or her own recognizance bond in lieu of arrest, assuring their presence in future court matters related to the citation charge. So yeah, this is a big deal for Alabama. If you're listening to other parts of the country, you're like, well, what's the big... It's a big deal, I promise. It is. And we, in Alabama, we have the um, the fifth highest incarceration rate in the U.S. And we, we have to fix that. Ooh, looks like grocery tax is being discussed as well. State Rep Chris England, uh, Democrat of Tuscaloosa, has filed legislation that would allow counties or municipalities the ability to reduce or completely remove their sales taxes on groceries. Look, grocery tax is such a regressive form of taxation. Alabama is one of only three states that has grocery taxes at the rate of a sales 
tax. (laughs) You'll be shocked to hear this, Mississippi being one of the three states in South Dakota. So South Dakota, Mississippi, and Alabama all tax their groceries at their regular sales tax rate. Yeah, no surprise out of Mississippi, they're the worst. Some plenty of people must be calling you out on this. You're going to be invited onto a show in Mississippi, and you'll have to sort of grovel and eat crow while it's, you're there. It's one of my favorite things. <laughs> so um, the Tuscaloosa City Council wanted to eliminate or reduce sales tax on groceries. And they learned in the process of looking into this that they can't do that without the approval of the Alabama legislature. I always say, if you want to change Alabama, change the legislature. So, yes, yeah, state's representative Chris England out of Tuscaloosa filed that legislation to allow counties and municipalities to uh, reduce or completely remove their sales taxes on groceries. So it wouldn't be his proposal or his legislation doesn't support a statewide elimination of sales tax, although I would be for that. And I think a lot of Alabamians would. But it does give... Um, municipalities and local governments to change and reduce the tax structure on groceries. And you know, Will, you and I have talked, we we spoke about this off the air before we started recording today. Alabama has the second lowest effective property tax rate in the country. Lower grocery taxes increase property taxes. I mean, if you are able to afford property and you have that wealth then arguably you have the ability to pay a few extra dollars in taxes each year to compensate for those people who cannot survive without food. I hope that we can get to the point where here in the state of Alabama we eliminate that sales tax entirely. A caveat here and where you have a little bit of pushback is that sales tax revenue here in the state goes to the Education Trust Fund, but there are ways, I think, to get around that. And his argument is that uh, his bill wouldn't affect that revenue since it's he's only proposing it for local counties and municipalities. We'll see where this goes. Okay, quick update. Uh, Common Core, right? Del Marsh has the bill to repeal Common Core. It has stalled. It sped through the Senate. <sighs> but then hit a roadblock when it got to the House, uh, as predicted by Trisha Powell Crane, right. who was on our show. So sure enough, Representative Terry Collins, a Republican of Decatur, She's the one that holds the key to passage and has stalled it there. So it's not completely dead, but it doesn't look like it's going anywhere. Well, and I hope it doesn't, based on all that we understand and all the data that we have to show the improvement that we've seen here in the state from adopting those standards with Common Core. So that's, that, I think, is good news. Hey, speaking of our favorite, uh, Del Marsh, he, along with All Britain, All Brighton, uh, which, whatever you call him. All Britain, Brighton. Yeah, of course, they have this ethics bill, which is the exact opposite of an ethics bill. It's to basically get rid of a lot of the ethics laws. Uh, we're going to talk about that. We hear you people. We're going to talk about it, but we're going to do a full episode on that. It is worthy of a full episode. Time for the non-news story of the week, Heather. Uh, here's the thing. I'm a little bit torn on this one because I think it's real interesting, but I don't think it's news. So it is technically the non-news story of the week. All right, Kellyanne Conway, we know who she is, of course, top advisor to the president. Sure. Uh, her husband, George Conway, attorney. Has opinions on Twitter. Yeah, and he's a big deal in the Republican Party. Sure. So here's the deal. Uh, George Conway says lots of really negative things about Donald Trump, like really negative things about him all the time on Twitter. And rightfully so. So this makes news because they are a married couple. And right. yeah, But I, should it be news? I don't. It's only news because they're married. If we follow that narrative and go down that rabbit hole, then we're going into their marriage. And frankly, I don't care about their marriage. It's none of my business. And if he has a different a different opinion than his wife, and that's fine. I know family members who work in different industries that oppose one another. Plenty of family members, married couples have a 
difference in policy issues and political leanings. So we're obsessing over this because they're married. And again, I don't I don't care about their marriage. It's it's just it has nothing to do with me. <laughs> it's very tabloid ish. Yeah, it's yeah. great. <laughs> You don't watch Kardashians. I'm the one who will watch that. I've never seen an episode and never will. You're exactly right. Yeah. So you're not the one who who digs tabloid stuff. But I love the Conways. <laughs> it is provocative for sure, but it's not it's it doesn't elevate to the level of news. I mean, what she's doing within the White House and her representation and her advising the president is newsworthy. But, um, you know, George Conway is a private citizen and he's only married to an advisor to the president. And again, it's just provocative. And people are taking this to a level that is uh, not newsworthy. So there you go. No news story of the week. All right, there you go. We'd love to hear your feedback. Don't forget, you can tweet at us. Even if you have just questions, we will answer them here on the show. Tweet at us at PodSouth, at Will Wacomy, at Heather Milam. Great job, Heather. This was fun, and I will uh, see you again next week. (laughs) 